Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. You want to grab your, your Bible out, your notes out. I'm so excited to, to, to share this message with you. If you're brand new today, again, big welcome. Every week at Oceans Church, we open the Bible up. We believe that God speaks in many ways, but his most predominant way of speaking to us is through the Bible. We believe that if, if, if all we do is read the Bible academically, all we'll do is get academic knowledge. But I want you to know that God doesn't want to just be studied. He wants to be known. Who believes that today? He wants to be known. And so we're going to open up the Bible today. We're going to turn to Exodus chapter 18. We're in a series, if you missed out the last two weeks, been trying to build this idea. God gave it to me on Easter weekend, and he said, Mark, I want, I want you to tell the people that I am the God that builds people. It is those people that build places to meet with me, and out of those places, we get purpose. And in that purpose, we live to build with power. So don't miss next week. I'm going to be talking about power next week. And so uh, today, uh, we are in our purpose purpose uh, message, and so I want you to open your Bible up. I know there's been some great books uh, written by uh, some great authors, even here locally, on living a life with purpose. Uh, I'm going to let those really smart people do that uh, better than me in that area, and I'm just going to focus on what I'm good at. Is that okay? And so I'm going to open up to Exodus. I want to talk about a guy named Moses, uh, which I think it was cool that Mo represented Moses today. Come on, Mo. Um, but Moses, and uh, I want to look at Moses' life today. And here's my conviction for everyone that's listening to me online in these tents. Whether you are 75 or 80 years old or whether you're 16, God still has more purpose for you. God has a purpose for you. It is a marvelous purpose. What we know about Acts is that when the Spirit of God comes into people, two things always happen. Uh, actually, three things. It says that young people begin to prophesy which is they hear God's voice and they say it. The second thing that happens after the Spirit of God fills people up, young people get vision. Old people get dreams. So if you're getting dreams, you are officially old, according to God. You still got visions, you're young. Can I get an amen? I told Rochelle, I'm getting a lot of dreams now. I think I'm getting old. But uh, I do believe that we serve a God that has dreams for us. Can I get a good Amen. What are you saying, Mark? I, I know my career. I've been married for 60 years. I'm ready to retire. I'm already retired. What are you talking about? The Bible says even in old age, God has fruit for us to bear. And I, I really do believe that today is the day to not only get a new dream. Some, some of you, it's actually redeeming and restoring an old dream. God wants to revitalize purpose that maybe you left behind 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Maybe some of you in the beginning with Jesus had a vision and had a dream, a purpose that you've never seen materialize. As I was praying this week, even last night, I felt this deep burden that God wanted to bring dead purpose back to life. And it's going to happen today. If you believe it, come on, say amen. Some of you are already living on purpose. It's going to be an encouraging word for you. But I believe that anyone that opens their ears, you're going to get something good. If you believe it, come on, say amen. Exodus chapter 18 is about a guy named Jethro. Say it with me, Jethro. Any Jethro's here today? Praise God. Um, not a common name. I haven't dedicated too many Jethro's. Uh, but Jethro was the father-in-law of a man named Moses. Who's heard of Moses? He was a prince in Egypt. Good name for a movie. And he, uh, 
he, he, he's a famous man. We know that Moses actually wrote the first five books of the Bible. And uh, here's my, here's my, again, if I can get everyone's just kind of real in real today, why should I listen to you? I believe that God has a purpose for your life that will only be discovered if you do certain things. I want to talk to you about those certain things today. Are you ready? Jethro comes to Moses. Moses had a God encounter in Exodus chapter 3. Shaped his life. And uh, if you know Moses' story, I'll talk a little bit more about it in a minute. But I do believe, this is what I feel prophetically, is God is raising people up with purpose because the purpose of the church's life is to be deliverers. I believe that every one of you are like Moses. Are you hearing me? Mark, no, no, I'm a CEO. No, you're like Moses. No, you don't understand. I'm a stay-at-home mom. No, no, you're a deliverer. I believe everyone under the sound of my voice has a God-given right to actually know the God that delivers people out of darkness. And whether you're delivering people out of Starbucks in darkness, or you're delivering dark people out of darkness in churches, in boardrooms, in classrooms, or in locker rooms, we serve a God that wants every one of his kids to be deliverers. We are those that lead people on the way out. You know what a leader is? It's a pathfinder. It's someone that says, yeah, I know what it's like to be addicted to pornography. Yeah, I know what it's like to be broke. I know what it's like to live in fear. I know what it's like to live in bondage. But God has shown me the way out. And the world is desperate for people that know how to get out. Are you hearing me today? We don't talk about this in church sometimes. But I'll tell you right now, though, I believe the greatest prerequisite of leadership is that the greatest leadership axiom ever given was when Jesus looked at those men on the shore and said, follow. If you can turn around, Paul said, follow as I follow. I'm telling you that the world is desperate for men and women that live with such intentionality and purpose that we can boldly turn around and say, I'm not perfect, but if you follow me, you'll go somewhere great in God. And I believe that's not just for pastors. It's not just for worship leaders. We are all called to be followed by the world. Catch this in your heart today. Followers of Christ are leaders of the world. And somewhere along the way, we started following the world, and we started disregarding following Christ. If you follow Jesus, you will lead society. Come on, if I can't get a Pentecostal amen, I'll take a Baptist head nod. Presbyterian eyebrow raised, a Latter-day Saint deep. Come on, give me something today. You guys ready? Jethro gives this advice that is so laced with purpose. Forgive me for the drug reference. That, that it's literally, it's just, it's inundated with this, 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 it's saturated, just purpose. He goes, you know what you're doing? You're doing it wrong. Let me give you the right way to do it. I want you to show you something here. Story goes, uh, Moses leads two and a half million people out of Egypt. He leads them out of bondage. They cross a Red Sea that, that uh, liberal scholars say wasn't really that deep. And they say, no, it wasn't 200 feet deep. God didn't open up big, deep ocean like that movie, The Ten Commandments. They said it was only like six or, six or 12 inches deep. And I'm like, either way, it is a miracle. Because God either opened up a really deep body of water, which is a miracle, or the world's strongest military drowned in a foot of water. <laughs> Miracle either way. So, what are you saying? They cross the Red Sea. They sing a song. 
Moses becomes this lyricist. He writes a song, the song of Moses. Miriam's singing his sister. Everyone's fired up. They see water come out of a rock after they're dehydrated for a few days. They see victory over the Amalekites as Aaron has his hands lifted by Aaron and her on the mountaintop as Joshua fought in the valley. And then we see here, right after this, he finds his father-in-law and his wife. It's a family reunion. Jethro shows up. Jethro is a successful priest, and he is a successful rancher. He owns a bunch of sheep. And he's a great business mind. He's an entrepreneur. And we know this about Jethro, that he comes to him, and he watches how Moses is living. So verse 13 is where we pick up. So it says, and so it was the next day after they had this family reunion, Moses sat down to judge the people and stood before, the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. Sounds like the hours of a pastor. Come on. From morning till evening. So Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people. He says, what is this thing that you are doing for these people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. Can I make that modern day? People want to meet with me because they know how to hear God's voice. You know what makes you valuable to your world? Is when you are so connected to the spirit of God that you're like, I have some dreams in my heart. I don't know what they mean. Will you help me out? I know that you hear God. That's what Joseph did. That's what Daniel did. And that's what we're supposed to do. They said, I, I want to inquire of, uh, inquire of God. And when they have a difficulty, by the way, the church should be the one serve, solving the world's difficulties. When they have a difficulty, they come to me. Who do they come to? They come to me. And I judge between one another. And I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, this thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people will surely wear yourselves out. Same way, burnout. Who's ever heard of burnout before? Anybody heard of it? Yeah, yeah. Orange County, yeah, you heard of that? Okay. You're going to burn out. Can't do it like that. It's not healthy. It's not sustainable. You're going to wear yourself out. For this thing, it's too much for you. Pause. Everyone, you look at this. I want you to hear me really clearly. God's purpose for your life is too much for you. Every God dream, every God assignment, every God vision will require people around you to get to those things. He says, it's too much for you. You're not able to perform it by yourself. So listen to me. Listen to my voice. I'm going to give you some of the greatest counsel in the Old Testament. He didn't know that. He said, God will be with you. He says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to stand before God. Say it with me. Stand before God. You know where our strength comes from? The presence of God. You know where our courage comes from? Presence of God. You know where our purpose comes from, Christians? Presence of God. You know where identity comes from? Are you hearing me, Orange County? It's the presence of God. And you see a church that is weak, that is toothless, that is powerless, that is directionless, that's leading a lost land. It's because we are not standing in the presence of it is in his presence that courage is manufactured. Vision is manufactured. And he says, stand before God. And don't just do it for you. Stand before God for the people. Stand before God, say with me, for the people. Here's another big spoiler alert. Every purpose that God gives us is always for others. 
God has never given us an idea, a business, uh, invention. He has never blessed us solely so that people with our last name could have a good life. The blessing of God was always intended to go beyond us, like Abraham, to be a blessing to the nations of the earth. So he says, stand before God. Say it with me. For what? For the For the people. How do you do that? I want you to bring the difficulties of the people before God. And I want you to represent the people and their difficulties to God. You shall then teach them the statutes and the laws. Teach them the word of God. Show them the way in which they must walk. And then show them the work that they must do. Moreover, you need to select able people. Men such as fear God. Look at the criteria of being used by God. How many want to be used by God in your life? Who wants to live for the purpose of God in your life? Here is the simple criteria. Find people that fear God. I'm not talking about Jerry Lorenzo right now. I'm talking about fear of God. Fear of God is an honor that says, God, I acknowledge you and I respect you. If you'll fear God, second criteria, men that love the truth. If you're obsessed with lying, you will never know the purpose of God in your life. Liars will always live in bondage. Oh, I kicked something right there. You will only be as free as you are honest. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you. Freedom, liberty are connected to honesty and truth. How, how do you have a purpose from God, Mark? Well, you got to fear him. you got to be honest. you love the truth. And then he says, and they're not covetous. Covetous people are those that make a living and get rich by ripping others off. We're not going to get rich by taking advantage of the poor. You hear me? We're not going to be covetous. And then he goes, if you do this, place those type of people. Make them rulers over thousands, rulers over hundreds, rulers over fifties, and rulers of tens. Let them judge the people at all times. By the way, stop there. Every one of you has a sphere of influence. Some of you are like, I, look, I have millions of followers. On, we, have, we have people in our church that literally have tens of millions of people that follow the way they dance on TikTok. Follow the way they post on social media. Tens of millions. Some of you, you have hundreds. Some of you have fifties. Some of you, you're like, I have ten people in my house that I'm trying to help. Everyone has a sphere of influence. He says, let them judge the people at all times. Then it shall be that every great matter they'll bring to you Every small matter they'll take care of, they'll judge. So it'll be easier for you. Who wants it easier for you? Is there anybody that wants it a little bit easier? Come on now. It'll be a little easier. Get a more done, but it'll be easier for you. I love that language. It'll be easier on you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, God so commands you, then you'll be able to endure. And all these people will also go to their place in peace. I don't know about you, man, but the two things I desire in my life, the older I get, is I want to endure, and I want to finish my life in peace. Amen? I want to talk to you today about building with purpose. Building with purpose. You guys ready? Who gave me 27 minutes? All right. Father, I ask you today to meet with us here. I pray that you would breathe on your word. I know this passage was written thousands of years ago. But I'm asking, Lord, in Jesus' name, that even right now, you would use an ancient passage of your word. You would come to life. I pray that it would have context. It would have weight. It would have authority. And it would have relevance right now in the hearts of everyone listening to me. 
Holy Spirit, we invite you to minister to us, to convict us, to direct us, to inspire us, to build us up. We want to live for you. We don't want to waste our lives. God, make our life count. We want to live on purpose in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Say it with me, purpose. Come on, say it like you mean it, purpose. purpose. I think there's funny things that have kind of a funny purpose. I, I like, I don't know, I, I just see the world a little bit differently sometimes. God's kind of, I don't know why when I got saved, God didn't take my sense of humor away. Stayed with me. And uh, I always thought it was funny at bowling alleys that there was a fan for your hands. Anybody else amused by that? I always thought, man, if your hands are sweating while you're bowling, you shouldn't be bowling. I thought about a lot of things that kind of have funny purposes. Like, I thought, man, who was the person that literally thought that the bathroom changing table was proper size in an airplane? I don't ever try to change a child in an airplane bathroom, but I would say the inventor of that changing room did not think through purpose. You can't even put deodorant on in that place. There is no room in that airplane bathroom. I don't know why airlines are so particular of the weight of your bags. And look, I'm fine. If you want to weigh my bags, fine. You want to charge me if I'm overweight, fine. But we need to start weighing some passengers too then. Okay? Because this is ridiculous. I think it's interesting. I'm just so many things. I'm just irritated by it. I'm like, man, really? We, we, we tolerate this kind of purpose? People invent things and they don't even think about, man, the long-term consequences of them. Like, who was the guy that invented the pocket in Lululemon pants for women? Let's put something on their pants that'll hold three toothpicks. Like, what's that pocket for? I thought about so many things, like Snuggies. Like, we're going to create a blanket that's like a sweater, and we're going to make $200 million. There are so many crazy inventions that people have made that served a purpose. I was thinking about all these things. When I was a kid, we had different things. Like, like we did the same jobs, but we did them a different way. Like, when I was growing up in the fall, uh, when leaves fell, you had to use a rake. We don't have rakes anymore. Now we have a, no, they're called the, it's your problem now. And you can grab it to your problem now and disturb the peace of your neighborhood, wake your neighbors up at 6.40 a.m. and blow everything that belongs to you in someone else's yard. It's your problem now. It's crazy how times have changed. Purposes, purposes have, you know, every one of these things have had unique purposes. There's just things that have funny purposes. I was thinking about greeting cards. Like, who was the guy that started selling blank greeting cards? This guy monetized a crease. Crease. What about the guy that made the greeting cards that are just because? You can just, I heard a comedian one time say, you could send greeting cards that say just because every day to somebody, and they can't even get mad. Why are you keep doing this just because? <laughs> so many things. Funny purposes. Funny purposes. Uh, I, I don't want to spend too much time on that thought, but I was thinking, um, you know, everything that God makes has purpose. And I was thinking about, I know everyone here is different. Many people have a misconception. I'd say the number one misconception in church is that if I really go all in with Jesus, I'll have to give up my career. I'll have to give up my gifts. 
I have to give up my passions. I have to get out of my job. I have to get out of like doing what I love, where I love doing it. And I have to be a pastor at a church. I have to go be a missionary in some country I don't want to live in, suffer somewhere. I'm really going to serve God. I got to marry someone I'm not attracted to, live in a country I don't care about, and live some miserable existence. It's a common misconception. Truth is, many of us, I would say 95% of this room, when you serve God with all of your heart, you won't work full-time for a ministry. Full-time ministry for you will be taking ground as school teachers, librarians, flight attendants, pilots, security guards, right? Entrepreneurs, CEOs, right? That's what the purpose of God looks like. Many times we don't realize that God wires us. Do you know that the, the way that you're, you're wired, God wired you with a unique fingerprint. Almost 9 billion people on the earth, and no one has the same prints. Why, God? Why would you go through such effort? I believe it is because God wants you to leave an impression on the world that no one else can leave. God wants you with your gifts your talents, your passions, your frustrations, your past. I believe that when you look at who God made you, the things that keep you up at night, the things that bother you in the world, and the things that you are naturally God-given gifted at, you take all of those elements, and then you look at your past experiences, and you look at the lens of going, God, this is where I come from. This is who I am. What do you want me to do with them? This is where our purpose begins to intersect with the purpose of God. Moses is interesting. Moses' story, many of you have seen the movie, so you're in good shape. But if you don't know Moses, Moses was actually, he was supposed to be an aborted child. Moses was the first child in the Bible that was ever abandoned. And he was actually, it was during the time of King Herod. And here's what I heard the Lord, even this week as I was praying, say. He said, Mark, I'm going to raise up mass deliverers in this hour. There's going to be more mighty men and women that I rise up, that I raise up, that will deliver entire people groups. This is the hour that he's doing it. Because historically, whenever God raises up deliverers that change nations, there is always an attack on babies. Always. In Moses' day, before, come on, before Moses changes Egypt, leads people out of bondage, Pharaoh makes an edict, kill all the male babies. And literally what's crazy is, is the river that he came out of was the river that God brought him back to. And I believe some of you, the river that tried to kill you, they were drowning babies in the Nile. And the things that tried, the devil tried to kill you with when you were a kid, will be the places that God brings you back to. You know the Bible says that you're more than a conqueror? Can I just remind you that a conqueror is someone that makes it out of the Nile River? You know what more than a conqueror is? More than a conqueror is when you go back and you don't just get out of that river, you help everybody else get out of that river. That's more than a conqueror. Hear me today, I'm going somewhere. Is Moses literally, he had a purpose from an early age. And the devil knows that you're a threat. And when, P when Peter says you're a chosen generation, you and I can literally say we are a chosen generation. If you were born since the 1950s, you, you know this, but one-third of our population is not here. Your, your mom and my mom chose to have you. And I want you to know that Moses, his mom, chose to keep him. Put him in the river. 
And God, listen to me, God raised up a deliverer, because I'm telling you, in the days of Jesus, King Herod, what did he try to do? Kill the babies. Whenever abortion has been rampant, it's because God, the devil knows, God is raising up deliverers. Whenever, whenever there's been an attack against the lives of humanity, God is raising up deliverers. If you believe it, come on, give him a good hand clap today. You are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. You're the ones that God called out of darkness to proclaim his marvelous light. Hear me today. Moses was like you, like me. He's a deliverer. How do you know? Because before Moses knew God, he still cared so much about justice that he delivered a Israelite out of the hands of an Egyptian that was beating him. You know what's crazy? Before Moses knew God, his passion was to help people in bondage. Some of you think, well, if I serve God, my passions are going to change. No, they don't. What I have found is that God will make you a louder version that's holy. When you serve God, he will make you a louder, holier version of what you currently are. Well, I don't know why, man. Before I do Jesus, I love to paint. Now I really love to paint. But I want to paint capturing the beauty of God. It is wild that God will make you louder but a holier version of who you were before he came into your life. Moses cared. He cared. He was drawn out of the waters. He spent four decades. Here's what I want to tell you today. God doesn't waste anything. You know, he was, I want to think about this. No one probably has ever had a life so good and sacrificed it in the name of serving God. Moses was the only one. Hebrews talks about that he chose to suffer with the Israelites than endure the passing pleasures of sin in Egypt. He was raised, check this out. Moses was raised at, at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. He was raised in the White House of his day. He was a Jew that was taught the greatest language, the greatest educators. He had the greatest affluence and influence out of any Jew on the earth. He could have easily stayed in that place the rest of his life. But here's what we know about Moses is somewhere along the way that that, that he saw the injustice and there was a deliverer inside of him. He took the law into his own hands. He killed an Egyptian, became a murderer. He was educated for 40 years. He was on GQ magazine covers, most eligible bachelor in Egypt. Everyone loved Moses, but when he killed that guy, he turned into Harrison Ford in The Fugitive. Come on. He would then go on the run. He would then go, he would meet a guy by the name of Jethro. He was a successful priest and farmer, a rancher. And he would become a shepherd for the next four decades of his life. He would marry his daughter to Zipporah. They would have, they would have two children. And in that time, he would start pastoring sheep. And for four decades, not one, not two, not three, four decades, no longer a 40-year-old prince in Egypt, now an 80-year-old shepherd in the Sinai Peninsula. Are you still with me today? What are you talking, what's that thing with me, preacher? I'm going there. He spent four decades. Can you imagine thinking to yourself, I should have just stayed quiet. I could still be living in the White House. Now I am basically, and that, the equivalent would be like maybe someone that, uh, maybe like a, a, I don't know, a, a garbage man or something. It would be a job that you're like, I don't know if I'm pumped about doing this job. He was now a shepherd. Shepherds were like the job that you didn't want to do. And literally, this guy, he was working there in those in those fields, leading crazy, stupid sheep for four decades. 
He knew the landscape like the back of his hands. He knew where the cliffs were. He knew where the predators were. He knew where the water was. Are you hearing me today? And I bet you for four decades, he thought, God does not have a purpose for my life. God isn't real. God could not be good. I did the right thing. I did the right thing. I helped someone that was being beaten. And God has forsaken me. Some of you would sit here today and you say, Mark, I've done things for God in my life, and I feel like he has forsaken me. I want you to know that what you would consider forsaken, what you would consider wasted time, God deems as preparation. There was no one better on the earth to lead two and a half million people through the same Sinai Peninsula for the next four decades. No one more qualified. And when Moses starts leading these people, he sees water come out of a rock. He sees victory in a valley with the Amalekites. And now he's standing before Jethro, and he gives them the greatest advice ever given in the Old Testament when it pertains to leading with purpose. If you're going to be a deliverer, how many want to be God's come on, a deliverer for God? What does that mean, man? I mean, I, I want God to use my life to, to impact the world. It's deliverers. How, how do we know this? He says three things that are so profound here. First thing he says, he says, if you want to be a deliverer, Moses, you're going to burn yourself out. First thing you got to realize is you, will, you have nothing to offer the world if, number one, you don't learn how to stand before God. We live in a world that everyone wants to run. We're grinding. We're hustling. All those annoying words that we say. I'm hustling. I'm grinding. Let me tell you something. If you are too busy to stand before God, you are too busy. The Bible says if you'll meditate on his word day and night, that you will have good success, that you will prosper in all that you do. Now, let me say it another way. If you are too busy to read your Bible and stand before God, you are too busy to prosper. I'm not talking about prosperity monetarily. I know a lot of rich people that are miserable. I'm talking about prospering like Third John says, that you would prosper in all things and be in health, even as your soul prospers. How many want your soul to prosper? I do believe that God doesn't have a problem prospering you monetarily, but I believe that God wants to do more than give you money. He wants to give you meaning. Money doesn't give you meaning. If I could tell that little dirty secret in Orange County. If I had more money, I would have more meaning. False. Because if you had meaning, you'd have purpose. And if you had purpose, you'd have vision. And obviously you don't have any of those three. Because if you did, people would not be committing suicide. People don't commit suicide when they have vision and they don't have purpose. So Jethro comes, he says, you want to you wanna be a deliverer, Moses? You want to run the race to the end? You want to finish your course? Here's what you got to do. If you're going to be like Paul and say, I've ran the race. I have finished. I have fought the good fight. I finished my leg of the journey. If you want to be able to say that one day, here's what you got to do. If you want to run with endurance, number one, you got to stand before God. I believe that, listen to me very clearly here, that purpose is manufactured in the presence of God. How do you know that, Mark? Because I'm telling you, the only one that knows what the purpose is of something is the person that created it. No one knows how Teslas are supposed to operate better than the people that built Teslas. No one knows how iPhones are supposed to operate better than the person that created the iPhone. I want you to know that the person that made your iPhone does not live inside of it. Are you hearing me today? And the person that made you, yes, he lives inside of you, but he's not limited to inside of you. His purpose is outside of you. 
and most people don't get this in life, is that God starts everything, everything that begins with God, starts with a vision and a purpose. He encounters Moses. Are you still with me today? Exodus 3, he says, hey, you know, I, I've seen the sorrow of my people. I've heard their cries. I've seen their task ma- ma- taskmasters. I've seen the mask. Come on. <laughs> Tough crowd. Okay. Uh, I've seen the crazy of this land. So I've come here to deliver them. Go now. I'm going to use you. Do you know when, whenever God has a problem in the world, he raises up a man or a woman? We're asking God for tables and chairs, and God gives forest. He says, no, 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 I provided the forest and the man. You build the table and the chairs. And God is raising up people that he goes, hey, I, I have a problem in the world. I need you to be the answer to their prayers. I believe that deliverers are answers to other people's prayers. I believe our church is favored because God is answering the prayers of people that prayed before we ever got here. I believe that God wants to make Ocean's Church the answer to Orange County's prayers. I believe that God wants to make the church the answer to California's problems. Are you hearing me today? God wants to give us a purpose that comes by standing in his presence. I believe that nothing is created without purpose before making it. I believe that God always creates everything with purpose. Moses was a deliverer, right? He delivered before God, and he certainly delivered after God. He's been wanting to set people free since the very beginning of his life. And what God does with our purpose is he reclaims it, he renews it, and he actually redirects it. You see, many times we'll use our gifts, our talents, our, our, our purpose, and we'll use it only on ourselves. And when you use all of your gifts just to make your life great, you will end up miserable. Because God never gave you your gifts and your grace to make your name great. God gave you gifts and grace to make his name great. How do you know? Orange County, highest divorce rates, married to the best looking humans on the earth, getting divorced. Have, have created technology to go to space, but we can't fix our bad habits. We live in a society, listen to me, it doesn't matter how rich we get, how smart we get, how much technology we get, no one can solve the problem of the human heart other than the God that made it. And so we find here that purpose originates in the mind of the God that created it. Only God knows, write this down, the purpose of my life. Only God knows the purpose of my life. And I'll tell you what, purpose is the key to fulfillment. I met, I, I met successful people, famous people. I've, I've had dinners and I've been to houses that you'd be like, oh my gosh, people live here. Is this a hotel or is this a house? People that by the world's standards have achieved the highest levels of success, but they're still not fulfilled. I'm telling you right now that that purpose only comes from the, from the presence of God. Purpose is the key of life. Without it, life has no meaning. Vision is buried inside of purpose. And when God gives you an encounter, he gives you purpose. Moses, go and deliver. Do what you did before, but do it better, do it bigger, and help more people. And when you do it, I'm going to give you a vision, man of God. And you're one day going to bring two and a half million people back to the mountain that you're with me on. You see, you can't take anybody where you yourself have not been. If I took you to my hometown, Palmdale, Lancaster, I would show you what blocks to avoid, which is most blocks. I could tell you where in and out is at. 
I could take you to where Sports Chalet used to be. Rest in peace. I'll tell you, you know why? Because I, I've been there. And when Moses brought two and a half million people to meet with God on a mountain, he could boldly say, we're going to go meet with God. You know why? Because he's been in his presence. And we have a generation of people that say, God is real. God is good. Come show, I'll show you. But I've never been there myself. You know what the world needs? Men and women that have had personal encounters with the presence of God. Amen? Purpose is the master of motivation. It is the mother of commitment. It is the source of enthusiasm, and it is the womb of perseverance. Purpose gives birth to hope and instills a passion to make a difference. I believe we live in a world that does not have purpose. Right now, how do you know we don't have purpose? Because you see it everywhere. There's no purpose. And when there's no purpose, there's no self-control. There's no moral conviction. There's no ethical boundaries. America has lost its purpose. We spend more money on drugs now than we do on oil. The land of the free and the home of the brave has become the world's number one addict. We've lost our purpose. And I believe the only God, that, the only one that can give purpose is the God that made this nation. Are you believing me today? Come on, stay with me today. I read one really smart scholar. He said this, this, the greatest disease of our society is that we are short-term thinkers. I believe the number one reason you won't live a life of great purpose or value God's purpose is you will just live for 70, 80, or 90 years, and that's it. You want to make your life count? you got to think about eternity. If I was to stand here today and say how you live the next 24 hours will determine how God treats you the next 100 years. How many would live 24 hours if God said, the house you live in, the, the spouse you marry, the kids you have, the, the job I give you, 24 hours will determine 100 years. How many go, man, I'm on fire for 24 hours? Of course. Listen, that is the worst analogy because 80 years into eternity is zero. A thousand years divided by eternity is zero. Do you know that if you were to live a million years, divided into eternity is zero. If you were to live a billion years into eternity, zero. When James says life is but a vapor, he's saying it's zero. And the problem with most people is, is we live obsessed for our retirements and give no thought to our eternity. Yeah, I'm coming for you. I, I want you to think about it today. Think about it. We're saving up for 401ks. We're saving up for weddings and college, but we give no thought to eternity. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Most people that don't believe in God don't think about God until they're on their deathbed. But I've seen many atheists in their final moments say, maybe there is a God. Because honestly, it takes much more faith to not believe in God than it does to believe in God. So here's what we know. Are you still with me today? We're going to build. We're going to be deliverers. Jethro says, Moses, you want to deliver people? You got to know where purpose comes from. It comes from standing before God. Do you know that Moses' first big purpose and vision, it came at a burning bush. The bush was on fire, but it was not consumed. I wonder why it happened like that. I think it was a reminder to all of us today. That's how God wants you to live. On fire, but not burning out. Where are the Christians that are on fire, but are not burning out? So we see here 
that God says to him through Jethro, he says, I want you to stand before God. If you do that, you're going to have something to tell the world. The world needs answers that only God provides. Here's what we know. He says, all right, this is going to happen. You're going to get vision. You know where vision comes from? It comes from the presence of God. You know why people perish? Solomon said in Proverbs 29, for lack of vision. Habakkuk 2.2 says, if you want the world to run, have a vision that's written down. If you write down a God vision, people will run after it. I have a vision for this church. I, I have a, you know what a vision is? It's a picture of tomorrow. You know, you know what a vision is? It is a conviction of what tomorrow is supposed to look like because of God. That is my definition of vision. God wants everyone in this room to have a vision. What is your vision? It is a picture of tomorrow. It's a conviction of what tomorrow is supposed to look like because of Jesus. I am supposed to be this businesswoman, this businessman, this type of husband, this type of wife, this type of son, this type of daughter. It is a conviction. This is who God wants my, my tomorrow to look like. You still with me? So we see here that he says, all right, Jethro goes, you know where purpose comes from? You will deliver, stand before God. Don't just stand before him. Stand before God for the people. Number two, this is good for America. Say it with me, for the people. Come on, Orange County, say it, for the people. God wants you to know him to help people. We miss that sometimes. And honestly, Jethro corrects theology. I think the whole Western church needs this theology correction. Because Moses probably thought before, I am going to meet with God. I'm going to represent God to the people. I'm God's spokesman to the people. My job is to be the man of God. And I'm going to represent God to the people. And Jethro goes, no, you got it wrong, Moses. Your job, God raised you up so that you could represent the people to God. To bring the difficulties of your city of your block, of your sister, of your mom and dad, of your coworker, of your business partner. Your job isn't to represent God to them. Your job is to represent them to God. Moses was an intercessor. He also was the most humble man that ever lived. Numbers 12, he wrote that. You think about that later, Selah. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this. Do you know what I fundamentally believe? That your purpose is wrapped up in realizing that God raised you up in a relationship with him so that you could actually bring the difficulties of your world into his presence. You know the, you know the, you know the most powerful Christians I've ever met? They're the ones that take the problems of their city. Pastors, I know. They'll take the problems of their city and their state. Last two years, you know what I've done since 2020 when everybody else is like, what's that pastor doing? What's this church doing? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to go into the presence of God. And I'm going to take the problems of Orange County, and I'm going to bring them into God's presence. And I'm going to bring the difficulties of our city into his presence, and I'm going to bring his response out of it. Solutions come out of the presence of God. Yeah. Some pastors were like, no, it's reckless to meet. You can't meet during COVID. I'm like, look, man, I know more people that are dying of suicide than of COVID right now. I said, look, as long as the strip bars are open up and the liquor stores are open up, church is going to be open. That's right. That's what God told me. We are essential. We are the backbone of society. We are the moral compass of our country. We are those that hold the line, and, and we are the standard. 
So if we shut down, the world falls apart. Amen? Come on, give him 10 seconds of praise. You believe it. Grab a seat. Got to get you out of here. Someone come on the keys. Tickle the ivories for a minute. I believe this with all of my heart. Most Christians don't ever walk in deliverers. They don't realize that God raised you up, not so that you could be great, but so that you could represent those people in a great way. I believe pastors, I believe Christians, great, your greatest responsibility is to represent the people that don't know God in prayer and say, God, you know what? I have a cousin that makes fun of you all the time. I got a coworker that loves to stab and, and make jokes about my faith, talk bad about my church. I go to that Bible study full of those guys that are all bitter and ladies that are all gossips. And they're slandering the church and they're slandering Christianity. God, what do you want me to do? The Bible says to bring their difficulties into the presence of God. You know where the word of wisdom comes from? You know where the word of knowledge comes from? You know where the gift of prophecy comes from? You know the gift of prophecy was given to the church to build? You know what God does when he gives you a word? He'll give you something that builds. It builds. He'll give you a response, a rebuttal. It's crazy. God will speak to you in such a prophetic way. Our job is to, serve, is to, is to solve the world's difficulties. You know how God used men historically to change nations? Daniel knew how to interpret dreams. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew who they were. They knew whose they were. Joseph answered the prayer of a butler and a baker that said, we have dreams, we don't know what they mean. We don't know what our purpose is. And God raised up Joseph, and he raised up Daniel, and he raised up Esther as she fasted, and he raised up Noah to build a boat. People that know the difficulties of their world are the ones that build solutions to the world's problems. And I am persuaded that God is raising you up here, that you're listening to this message, because God goes, yeah, Moses was a deliverer, but so are you. Your job is to fall in love with spending time with Jesus. Revelations, the seven churches of Asia, the first church, he goes, you know what you did? You lost your first love. You know what first love is? Guys, when you fall in love with a girl, you know what you're going to do? In no time, you're going to stop hanging out with your buddies. And before you know it, your buddies are going to find you in the mall carrying your, your girlfriend's purse. <laughs> and when they come up to you in the mall, you're going to be holding a purse, and they're going to say, what are you doing? And you're going to say, my girlfriend's in the store shopping. And you know what you're going to do for the next 20 minutes? You're going to talk about how great your girlfriend is. You're going to talk about how much you love spending time with her. Everything that flows out of your heart and your mouth is going to be obsessed with this girl. Man, you guys got to meet Rochelle, man. And she was just the, my, my gosh. She changed my life. I want to spend every free moment I have with Rochelle. I want to get off work. I want to mow three lawns so I have money to take her on a nicer date. True story. When you fall in love, you know what you want to do? Two things. You want to talk about them. And you want to spend time with them. You know when you fall in love with God? When you actually, all you want to do is talk about him. Spend time with him. I want to stand in his presence. And when I do, I don't want to just ask for my needs. God will take care of me. He already has. God doesn't owe me anything else. God has brought me to this season, this time, this place. Because there's so many lost people here. Have no idea what up and down looks like morally bankrupt they're not finding fulfillment in drugs and money and sex and anything that world has to offer 
We are the answer. Can you imagine if you had the cure for cancer and all your neighbors were dying of it? God help us. We have the cure to the human heart. And it is the God that created the human heart. We stand for our neighbors. We go to nations because God is the God that made us the answer to their prayers. And we bring their difficulties into God's presence. And out of his presence come solutions. And what we do is we say, guys, I know. I know what you're looking for. I know why you keep getting high. I know why you keep cutting yourself. I know why you're addicted to pornography. I, I know. I, I get it. But let me tell you something. There is a way that seems right that leads to destruction. And there is another way. It's a narrow gate. Broad is the gate. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. And many that go in by it. But there is a way, man, that it was narrow when I came into it. But when I got into it, it was wide. And it was a beautiful place. And I'll tell you this is what he said. I want you to teach him, right? I want you to teach him this. Pray for him. And when you pray for your family, your friends, and your neighbors, and your coworkers, and your community, when you pray for them, bring their difficulties in. And when you do, here's what's going to happen. Teach him then. Teach him God's word. And this is how you teach them. Teach them the way they must walk. And teach them the work they must do. You know what purpose is connected to? Knowing who God is and who you're called to be. Say with me, discipleship. Say it another way, character. Say it another way, godly values. You know why you'll live with no purpose? Because you'll live with none of God's values. Teach people the way they must walk. Hey, bro, this is why we read our Bible. This is why we pray. This is why we fast. This is why we get rid of some of the music in our life. We start getting some worship in our life. This is why church is valuable. This is why small group is necessity. This is necessity. This is why you should tithe. This is why you should fast. This is why you should intercede for your family and your friends. Teach people the way that they must walk. You know where it starts with your kids. Teach your kids the way. Kenzie, this is the way. Chloe, this is the way. Teach them the way. Don't let Hollywood disciple your kids. Don't let Netflix teach your kid their values. If you do, they will be rise, they will be raised up in the ways of Babylon. And we'll have a generation that is lost. Our job, come on parents, come on dads, come on moms, is to teach them the way. This is the way that Francis walk. We are those that know God. We're going to impact the world. You'll never save people if you're drowning in their same addictions. We save people by knowing who we are. I told, I, I told my daughter this week, I said the giants that we don't slay will slay us. I believe with all my heart, I'm almost finished, is that we got to teach a world the way they need to walk. And, and then what do you do next? Purpose isn't connected just to, to character. Some of you are really godly, but you're still kind of spiritually ugly because you're godly, but you live with no mission. All you care about is yourself, your own kids. And here's the truth, is that the world is only changed. Purpose is only released. Deliverers are only born. When they realize it's not just about me being godly and knowing the way that I'm supposed to walk, it's about knowing the work that I must do. You know what your work is? Your work is to weaponize your career, your marriage, your family, your children, and everything that comes out of your life to literally use every deep breath of oxygen that God gives you 
to actually make an impact on the world that populates heaven. Everything we do in this life is about eternity. And I want to remind you that eternity is a very long time. And I want to remind you that we're all going there. And I want to tell you, if you're under 30 years old, you will die one day. No one thinks about it. I was jumping off 90-foot bridges when I was young. Did not think about death. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, that's stupid. I could have died. When you're young, you don't think about death. I'm not trying to scare you today. I'm just trying to say this. We will only live right if we let eternity be our motivator. Eternity is what gets you out of bed. It's what revitalizes your purpose. What is the work we must do? Well, it's found in, um, yeah, it's found in Matthew 28. It's found in Mark chapter 16. It's found in Luke 24. It's called the great co- Why is it a co-mission? Because it's not just God, it's us. It's not just us, it's God. It's us co-doing it together. Make disciples of all nations. Teach them the way they must walk. Teach them the work they must do. You know why you're miserable? Because you're making money, but you're not making a difference. You know why you're, you know you're miserable? You're, you, you have no meaning in your life. You've bought everything for you, but you've put nothing into the kingdom of God. Who's going to heaven because you're blessed? Who's going to heaven? God, would you bless me that I would be a blessing to the corners of this earth? I'll be honest, man. I believe there's going to be some surprise Christians in heaven that God looks at from the white judgment seat. Listen very clearly right now. No Christian will be judged by Jesus for their sin. None. But we will all be judged by how we lived our lives. What are you saying? What you believe determines where you spend eternity. But how you live determines how you spend eternity. There is, according to John, there is different variations of rewards. It's not a communistic country we're going to. It's not all the same size house. It's not the Truman Show. Are you hearing me? We are going to a place, there will be different crowns and different, different gold and different silver and different precious jewels that will be in our crowns based upon not what we believed, but how we lived. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, it says some built their lives with silver, gold, and precious stones. And some, they built with wood, hay, and straw. He says the fire is going to test both. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying, everyone, fire. What's fire? Uh, Jeremiah says the word of God is like fire. What will test your life and my life? It's this. What will determine if your life mattered or it didn't matter? This. Orange County's impressed with square footage and the, the label on your vehicle and what's on your wrist. Listen, I'm not saying that stuff's bad. I'm just telling you right now. What will determine significance in eternity is how it measures against this. He's not impressed by writing million dollar checks to your university and writing no money into the kingdom of God. He's not moved when you give your film school a hundred million dollar grant and you give ten dollars in an offering. I'll be honest, some people are going to wake up in eternity and go, man, I put all my money into temporary things that burned in the fire. And I put nothing into the eternal. My greatest thing that my wife and I do is we put more of our love and our life, more of our money into the local church than we do into anything else. And I'm telling you, it is a fulfilling thing to do. 
Because I know when I stand before the white judgment seat, he's going to say, well done, good end. That's what I want. Mark, that's kind of heavy, bro. I'd rather be heavy today. So you're not surprised then. Then you'd be all happy today and be like, what is going on right now? What do we do? Purpose. Well, you still, you got this? We stand before God. Who says, I want some of that? I want to fall in love. I want to stand before God. I want to do it for people. How many believe that your purpose isn't just about you? It's that God wants to bless you for the, to bring their difficulties into God's presence, to bring God's heart and solutions into their life. And when you do that, you teach people the word of God, the way they must walk and the work they must do. And guess what? Hear me, church. When a church knows the character of God, the way they must walk, and they know the mission of God, we got to make a difference for eternity. We got 30, 40, 60, 80, maybe 100 years. You can spend your life any way you want to spend it. I can't change you. But here's the deal. You can only spend it once. And here's the truth. You will regret spending it on yourself. I've never met anybody, including Billy Graham. I've never heard of anybody that served God with all of their heart that at the end of their life said, I wish I would have spent more of my life on me. I've never met anybody that said, I wish I would have spent more time in the boardroom. I wish I would have spent more time on, on trying to just make more money. But I've heard a lot of people say, I wish I would have spent more time with Jesus. Are you hearing me today? I'm not against boardrooms making money. I'm just saying, my priority is eternity. Stand your feet. I feel something in here. We will be a people that build with purpose. If you believe it, would you give them 10 second hand clap today? I believe it. We sing the song. I'm gonna see it. I'm gonna. You says. I'll have you out of here in five minutes. Let's give God everything we got for five minutes. I'm gonna see. I'm on the
10 seconds of praise. Watch this, he's healing people right now. Some of you, you know, you're carrying bitterness in your heart, offense in your heart. One of the coolest things that God does, before your heart starts to dream again, he has to make your heart healthy. Some of you have a bitter heart, you have a critical heart, you have a wounded heart. And I believe that God today is, in the, is he's come up, the greatest cardiologist that earth has ever known. He is the God that heals the human heart. The only one that can solve the problem of the human heart is the God that made the heart. So today, if you say, Mark, I feel like my heart has been wounded. My heart has been bitter. My heart has been critical. My heart has been jaded. Would you pray today that God would heal my heart so that I can begin to dream again, that I can have vision again, that God would give me a clear vision and purpose for my future. I want to pray today that God would remove offense. God would take that snare, that trap from hell to make you bitter the rest of your life. Some of you are mad at people that aren't even alive anymore. God wants to heal you. That wound. You say, Mark, pray for my heart today. Would you raise your hand? Raise your hand right now. I want to dream again. I want want to have vision again for my life. But I know my heart is wounded. My heart is wounded. If someone's heart, if someone's hands up next to you, come on, just as a friend, lay your hand on their shoulder right now, all over. Lay your hand on their shoulder. Just lay your hand on. We're honest people here. That's awesome. Everyone responds to this church. We just pray right now with your hand on their shoulder. Just say, Lord, today, Spirit of God, would you heal their heart of every offense, every poison, every toxin, anything that tried to corrupt. We ask in Jesus' name that you would heal their heart. We bind the enemy, the schemes of the enemy, and we release in Jesus' name the Spirit of God to heal and make whole. Let them dream again. Yeah, watch this. Vision's coming again. Some of you are going to get a new vision for your business, a new vision for your marriage. Most people give up because they stop having a vision of the future. And you're not going to give up on that marriage or that that job. Maybe it's a child that ran away from God. You're not going to give up. God's given you a vision. He's given you a dream. So good. Watch this. Second thing you say, Mark, I want to live for God's purpose. But to be honest, I've never really fallen in love with God. You're talking about your love for Rochelle. Maybe I fell in love with my wife or my husband, but I've never felt like that towards God. But I would love it if you would pray for me today. That it'd almost be like watching a movie and just falling in love with somebody. I want to fall in love with God. And I want to make it my aim in life to love standing in His presence. Would you pray for me today? That this would be the beginning of a great love story. Would you pray for me, Pastor? I want to fall in love with spending time with God, with the Holy Spirit. Would you very honestly today, just raise your hands. doesn't make you weird, it makes you honest. I want to fall in love with God. I don't want reading my Bible to be a chore. I want it to be a delight. I want prayer to be a, a delight, not a burden. If that's you, there's a lot of people that need to respond to this. Just lift your head really high right now. God will honor your prayer. We're almost done, I promise. Just raise real high. Real high. Yeah, yeah. I want to, I want to fall in love. I want that romance. I want to love the Bible. I want to know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want to love the Psalms. I want to, I want to pray scripture. I want to know promises. 
Someone's hands up next to you. Put your hand on the shoulder. We've been doing this every week. Why? Because we're building. We're builders. You're not going to stay at Ocean's Church and stay the same size. You will grow here. We're going to build some dreams today. We're going to build some purpose today. With your hands on your shoulders, just say, Lord, today, we invite you to romance them. Make them aware of how good you are. We ask today, in Jesus' name, that they personally would taste and see. Say it again, taste and see. We pray that they would taste and see your goodness. Let the times with you affect their whole day. Things they read, things they pray, come to pass the same day. I pray a miracle week that they would want to keep praying because what they talk to you about, they see happen in their life. In Jesus' name. I feel this very strong. Some of you are going to talk to God about your business and the problem you bring to God, you're going to see the solution the same day. You're going to see crazy things happen. Like you're going to say, I need $67,000 and you're going to see God do it the same week. You're going you're gonna to pray for audacious prayers like, God, my son has been addicted for 10 years. Let him come home this day. And he's going to come home. And it's going to incite more desire to pray. I see it. And here's where we're almost done. We're going to do the last two, two things here. You say, Mark, I want to pray, not just for me. I want to stand in the gap for people. And I want to be a deliverer that shows the world the way to walk and the work to do. I want to show my friends the way to walk and the work to do. I want to be like Paul and say, follow me as I follow Christ. The way to walk and the work to do. That's you today. Come on, lift your hands. I want to, I want to be a deliverer like Moses. I want to show my mom and dad the way to walk, the work to do. I want to show my little brother and sister the way to walk, the work to do. I want to show my grandkids, my children, the way to walk and the work that we got to do. My kids know why we tithe. We tithe because we're building the kingdom. My kids know why we go to prayer meetings because we're building the kingdom. My kids know why we read our Bibles because we're building the kingdom. We're going to show them the way and the work we must do. Come on, hands up today, all over. Come on, you want to do this? Ocean's Church, you want to do this in Orange County? We want to show this county the way they got to walk. We want to show this state the work that they got to do. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're builders. Come on, we're builders. Say with me, we're builders. We're builders in Jesus' name. Come on, grab your neighbor's hand. Come on, that hand feels like a builder to me. That's a builder right there. Those soft hands feels like a builder. Come on, with your, with your hands held today, come on, say this. Say, in Jesus' name, we release, we loose a spirit of wisdom that knows how to build. We're builders here. We build families. We build marriages. We build healthy children. We build healthy businesses. We build healthy churches. Make us builders. And above all, we build a relationship with the God that knows us, that made us, and has a vision for our life. Like Moses, we ask you, make us deliverers. We want to show the world the way to walk and the work to do. Say it again. The way to walk and the work to do. Do it in me so I can show them. 
Jesus' name. If you believe he's doing it, come on, give him a good hand clap. Did I feel it? We're builders, man. We are builders. Orange County, buckle up. We are builders. California, get ready. It's the builders. Yeah, yeah, I feel it. Changing industries. Last thing we do before we close, builders, one of the things we build with is the, is the power of God to heal. If you need a miracle in your body, we are out of time. Really quick, raise your hand. Physical, mental, or spiritual, you need a miracle. Could be It could be uh, nightmares, night tears, panic attacks. Could be cancer. You might be on dialysis. You need a kidney transplant. I want you to raise your hand if you need healing in your body. Hands up. Raise, come on. Just, we, we believe that God heals. If you need a miracle in your body, lift your hand. It's not if. Usually it's when. Everyone needs a miracle sometimes. Lift your hands. Need healing in your body. Last, last two things we do, we're done. Lay your hand on their shoulder right now. Come on, right now. Anyone that has hands up, we'll be out of here. Pray this one, one last prayer. Say, Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, release healing. Top of their head, soles of their feet. Heal, deliver, evict darkness, fill them with your spirit. Do what doctors, medicine, therapy could not do and do it faster. In Jesus' name. Baby's coming. Yeah. Healing coming. Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Hey, I wish I wish we could just stop right there, but I have never in the history of our church finished a service without giving people the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of their life. I'm not starting today. If you're here, it won't take long. If you're here and you know, Mark, honestly, I'm not living my life for Jesus. I'm not living for eternity. I've been living for me, not for him. And you want to rededicate your life today or for the first time say, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Eyes closed just for a minute. I'm not going to, I'm not going to embarrass you. All I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand. But I want you to raise it high because one day God's going to say, because you were bold for me at Ocean's Church, I'm going to be bold for you. If you're scared of God to acknowledge him in this moment, he's not going to acknowledge you when you get to eternity. Now's the time to be bold. If you say, I need to get right with God or give God everything, because I want to build my life with purpose for eternity. I want to invite God all the way in. I want you real, real, I'm out of time, real quick to raise your hand as high as you can. Just raise it real high all over. I'll give you three seconds. Hands are going up. One, I'll give you, I'll give you three seconds. More hands are going up. Two, more hands are going up. Real high. That's me. That's me. Three, four, five, six. Real high. Seven. Real high. Eight, nine. Real high. Anybody else? Anybody else? Awesome. Nine hands. We're done. We pray this prayer. If you're watching online, there was there was four at San Juan today. There was there was several in first service, and there's more online right now. Just write heart H E A R T if you're watching online. Pray this prayer, Ocean's Church. Do we ever get tired of doing this? It never gets old. This is what we're here for. So let's pray this last prayer, and we'll go get some barbecue. You ready? Say it with me. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I give you permission to be fully in charge. You are the leader, CEO, and the Lord from this day forward. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. And I ask you to fill me with your sweet Holy Spirit. Give me the appetite of Jesus and give me a mission for this world. In Jesus' name I pray. You pray it. Come on. Say amen. We love you. Welcome to the family of God. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.